Hey, good evening. We know it's Shemitah in Eretz Yisrael, and this is a very special, very holy, and for some, very challenging time in Eretz Yisrael. Living here in Chutz Laaretz, we see the beautiful ads of Karen Hashvius. I was getting many emails from Karen. I wasn't sure who she was. <laughs> but um, we're so disconnected from what's actually going on from the halachic elements, and there are many interesting halachos relating to Shemitah, and then also from the hashkafic uh, opportunity to gain from the message of Shemitah and feel a connection to Eretz Yisrael. So we have Parshas Bahar, where we speak about this very special, very uplifting mitzvah, and I'd like to focus on the blessing of simplicity. And this is a bracha that we could apply to all areas of life, and definitely one of the, uh, the themes of Shemitah. Pazik says, That the land will give of its fruit, and you will eat and be satisfied, and you will dwell securely on your land. So even though you're not allowed to work the land in the seventh year, don't worry, the land will give its fruit beforehand. Ve'chaltem lesova, you will eat to satiation, and you'll live there with a sense of security and bitacha. somru, and if you should ask, ma nochel b'shana hashviyis, what are we going to eat in the seventh year? Hein lo nizra ve'lo nosu we're not allowed to sow, we're not allowed to gather our grain. So if you have that question, my response, says Hashem, is, I have instructed my bracha to go to you in the sixth year, to make enough grain, enough, enough produce for three years. So we have these three psukim in a very interesting flow. First off, which actually preempts these particular three psukim, we have the obligation to allow the land to stay foul. Don't work it. It's not yours. Now, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, but don't worry, v'achaltem l'sova, you will eat too, to satiation. However, if you wonder, is it really going to happen? Are we really going to have enough to be sustained? Don't worry. I'm going to do this incredible miracle, and I will create this bounty of tavua enough for three years. It almost sounds like if you're lacking that bitachon, if you're questioning the chisomru manochel b'shana hashviyis, then, because of your questioning, I'm going to give you more. If you didn't question, what does Rashi say? That what you eat within you will have more of a bracha. It will have more of this, this kiyum and lasting power to sustain you and your families. If you have trouble believing in that, then, 
I'm sending you my bracha that you're going to have so much to the point where you're going to walk outside, you're going to see the fields that are filled with the crops, and you're going to feel taken care of. Why should it be that through the lacking of bitachon, we end up getting a greater blessing? Am I making any sense? So take a look at the Svorno, the way that he describes these three psukim. V'achaltem l'sova, shiyu ha-peiros rabi hamazon, just like Rashi was quoting, that the fruits themselves will give you that, that force, that energy that you need, more than that which is natural, just like we find by the Omer, by the Mana. The Mun came, and it was all the exact same amount. It was an Omer for every single person. It didn't make a difference how much you usually eat, how big or small you were. It satisfied you. The same thing is true when it comes to the fruit, to the produce during Shemitah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, V'achaltem l'sova, you'll be fine. V'chi somru manochal, if you still have a hard time believing that, and therefore you ask the question, what are we going to have? Explains the Sforno. Ka'asher yesupak ze'etzlechem, if you have a doubt, and you don't fully believe that a little bit of food qualitatively will take care of us, no problem, I understand that. I'm giving you a bracha, to the point where your eyes will be satiated from seeing all of the produce, and you'll see Hakamus, you'll see the quantity of so much. So step number one is, you'll eat just a little bit, that's true, but you'll be fine. If you have a difficult time believing that, because how could that possibly be? Usually we spend $300 a week on groceries, and now you're saying we're going to be able to survive on a lot less. Nowadays it's more like, you know, $15,000 a week. So if you have a hard time believing that, no worries. I'm going to do this unbelievable miracle for you. You're going to walk outside and see quantity. So what's the greater bracha? Being satisfied on a little bit or having so much that you feel taken care of? If you had to choose, if you had to choose being honest with yourselves, is it a greater blessing opening up the pantry or the cupboard or the refrigerator and not seeing all these different options, but knowing that we're totally fine. Or seeing many different choices, knowing that quantitatively there is so much here, we're good for the next year. There could be three hurricanes, we're okay. We got plenty of water, plenty of dry food, we're fine. I think intuitively, we would feel more secure with the kamos, with the quantity, seeing a lot. That's bracha, that's shefa, that's overflowing blessing when there's so much. It seems though from the Svorno that the ultimate blessing is the blessing of simplicity, where we're not overwhelmed with all of the different options, 
we know we have what we need, we know we're going to be satisfied, and we have that clear confidence in HaKadosh Baruch Hu that all is good. I'm not distracted. I'm not overwhelmed by the different responsibilities that my different endeavors may, uh, may take up. It's simple. It's clear. It's only muat. It's, it's not that much, but it will give you a sense of real satisfaction. There's a beautiful sefer, Bayas and Menucha, from Ramosha Aaron Stern, the great mashkiach and Kamenetz. And when he speaks about this Pasuk in Parshish Bahar, he wonders why both Rashi and the Svarno have to focus on this notion of being satisfied with a little bit. Why would you need that? If a Kaddish Baruch Hu is ready, willing, able to give you so much bounty, why is that bounty only going to those who are questioning? Let it go to everybody. So explains Rav Stern. He says, I remember a time when I was davening, it was during the Yantif of Sukkot, and I was davening in some shmuel, some shul in the Shari Chesed. After davening, there was a mega wealthy person that came over to me, and uh, he said, you see that Jew over there? pointing to a very impoverished Yerushalmi type of Yid. He says, you should know, he's sitting there, and he had a look of Yishuv Hadas, Menuchasen Nefesh, he had a small Mishnayas, he was just learning quietly after davening, with his Rosh Verubo entirely engaged in his learning Mishnayas. Said this mega wealthy person, to the Mashkiach of Kamenetz. Ani mekana b'yehudizeh. I am so jealous of him. Harayani tos kol b'matos. I fly hundreds of miles every week in a plane. V'chol rega nichoshe shema eta b'cheshbon mesuyim b'esek. And there were so many concerns that I have, different phone calls and, and, and meetings. I might miss something. And there's always a concern that there are millions of dollars in the line. If I make one wrong move or I wake up the next morning and the market is down, that could be devastating. And therefore, although I have so much, I don't have that, that serenity. I don't have that feeling of peace. I don't have it at home. I don't have it at the office. Vikan Yoshev Lo Yehudi Oni Ve'evion. But look at this guy. He's sitting here. He doesn't have planes. He's not flying across the world. He's not doing deals for millions of dollars. Nonetheless, he's looking into his Mishnayis. Mamish I'm Mekanahim. I have jealousy of this person. So Stern writes that he happened to have known this person. And he said, his first thought was, if you had any clue what this man has been through in his life, I'm not sure you'd be as jealous as you are. That was his first thought. But then he got deeper. Then he said, But the truth is, even with that, even with the struggles and the challenges this man has been through, 
it makes sense that the mega-wealthy mega person was jealous of him. Because he's living a life of tznius, of modesty, of privacy. He doesn't have that, that fire of competition, always trying to, to be victorious in the next uh, sale. He has a small Mishnayis, he has a Kaddish Baruch Hu. He's a pretty wealthy man. So says the Svorno, the ultimate bracha is, af betocha me'ayim tehei bracha, that a little bit internally I could feel satisfied, I could feel content. I don't need much more than that. That's the ultimate blessing. Now, the $64,000 question is, how do we accomplish that? Life is not simple. Life is very complicated and often convoluted. And there are many difficult and, and multi-layered relationships and personalities that we're dealing with. Struggles at home, at work, at school. How do we attach ourselves to this bracha of simplicity, of chaltem uh, lesova, to be able to eat, to consume from this world and be satiated and be satisfied, when in reality it's a very complicated, very complex world? And I think practically there are three areas we have to think about. First is our surroundings, our environment, the place in which we live our life. Now, you don't need to come to a shear to, uh, to hear about the importance of cleaning and organizing, and I'm definitely not one to give a shear on that topic. However, I think we could all say from personal experience, even if something doesn't seem to bother me that much, the fact that the closet is the way it is, or this corner of the bedroom is just piled and cluttered, doesn't bother me. If you have that opportunity to actually clean it and put things in their place, the way that most people feel afterwards is a sense of relief. There's a, there is a menuchas nefesh that's created just by knowing that everything has a place, everything is in its place. The Rambam in the Shemona Parakim, in the fifth chapter of the Shemona Parakim, he speaks about the necessity of the living space that we find ourselves in. The more organized we are, the more mesudar we can arrange things. Ultimately, the clarity and the confidence of mind that comes from that will give us a whole different level of inner peace and enthusiasm for life. Our surroundings do make a difference, uh, do make a difference on who we are, how we think, and the clarity of the brain, the, the intellect, is impacted by the clarity around us. That's one level. The second level would be our schedule. How do we schedule a life when things are so frantic and there are so many different responsibilities to be able to embrace this blessing of simplicity? And sometimes the reason we're so uh, bilbul hadas, we're conflicted, it's not because we're chasing after the next deal. It's not because we need uh, to put a down payment on the yacht before someone else grabs it. It's because we have such holy motivations. There's a lot we want to do for people that we care about. There's a lot we want to accomplish. But it's that very ambition that could sometimes get in the way 
of our Menuchas HaNefesh, of a life that has a schedule, not just in the way things are arranged around us, but how I spend my time, how I misader my day. Remember seeing a while back, there's a beautiful piece in the Kav HaYosher, where he quotes, he quotes a story about the Ramban. As a lead-up to the story, he says that sometimes B'nai Torah, young men learning in yeshiva, they have such a drive for their learning that it could almost take over their overall avodas Hashem. Sometimes that's good and healthy, and sometimes they could actually detract from their genuine connection with Hashem. How in the world can learning Torah take away from one's relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu? So he says, We have to be very careful not to be lenient or to view tefillah as, as less important than our learning. Even one who has a real desire to be learning diligently. This is actually paraphrasing the Gemara in Shabbos and Daf Yud. Everything has its time. Everything has its place. There's a time for learning, and there's a time for davening, and there's a time for chesed. So the story that he quotes with the Ramban, this story was actually told originally from Rabbi Huda HaChassid. So it's a very authentic source. That the Ramban had a, a disciple, Shehaisa Nafsho Choshka Betorah Becheshik Nifla, that his student had such a yearning, such a passion for Torah learning. Mamish lo shena be'ena to the point where he kamat didn't sleep. He wasn't functioning as a human being. He was so devoted to his learning. And if he would eat just to keep himself alive, he would make sure to have the sefer, the gemara, the chumash open in front of him. V'tamid nasan einav b'sefer. He'd always be looking into the book. That sounds like a pretty lofty madrega. That sounds like a very praiseworthy thing. And it sounds like because he had such a love for Torah, that impacted his davening. Now the language is he didn't daven. I don't think that means he just totally neglected davening, but it had a real impact on his tefillah. The Ramban, being his Rebbe and his mentor, Mazir Oso Tamid, he would always encourage him and he would try to inspire him. He would tell him, Echol Bishas Achila. When it's time to eat, you should eat. Vetishin Bishas Hashena. And when it's time to go to sleep, go to sleep. Vaaset Filoscha Bishas Tfila. And when it's time to daven, you should daven. Right, just hearing this out of context. Imagine the wise old rabbi giving the advice. It almost sounds like the, uh, the yoga master, right? When it's time to eat, you should eat. When it's time to sleep, you should sleep. And when it's time to pray, you should pray. Right, what's that famous book out there? Eating, praying, something. 
It almost sounds like, from the way this story is being presented, that the Ramban was not a huge fan of this young man having his sefer open while he was eating. He wasn't a huge fan of him not getting enough sleep. He wasn't a huge fan of him missing davening. So he warned him, if you follow the Seder Hayom, you have a schedule and your love for Torah, that fire, doesn't consume your other responsibilities towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu or towards your fellow man, then schus HaTorah Then the schus, the power of the Torah, will bring life into you and it will guard you. Don't think that by doing things that are almost superhuman, to the point where it's detrimental to yourself and your sanity and your interaction with others and you're jeopardizing other chiyuvim, other obligations you have because you have such a love for this area of spirituality, don't think you're going to be gaining in the long run. If you have a seder and you do things like a mensch and each point in my day and each conversation that I'm having I'm focused solely on you, and there's nothing else in the world that exists. Right now I'm eating, I'm enjoying the food, I'm saying a bracha, I'm having a sense of hakaras that I'm able to, to experience these pleasures that Hashem put into the world. That's how a Jew lives. And you're not going to lose out from the Torah, you're going to gain more from it. So that's regarding schedule. We have to have everything has its time, everything has its place. <clears throat> There's a beautiful piece in the Sif Seichayim to get to our last point, which is not just outside of us or how we arrange our day and our time, but ultimately the most important area of simplicity and menuchas anefesh is internally. Right? What's going on inside my head? The Sifse Chaim from Chaim Friedlander, he says that this notion of Menuchas Hanefesh, and we've spoken about this in the past, as it's very fundamental to all of our Avodis Hashem. He says, even if one says that naturally I'm not that kind of personality, I have this Pizur, I have this Bilbul Hadas, I'm always distracted, I'm always. I'm always in a different place, I'm, I'm spaced out. We can't allow that to be an excuse not to work on acquiring more menuchas and nefesh. Because there are ways, there are habits that we can form that could breed more of that simplicity, more of that, that focus into our lives. He writes, Hatsura shel menuchas and nefesh adam chai bahargasha. What does it look like to live with a real sense of inner peace, when we live with a feeling, with an emotion, lo rak bahakara sikhlis, not just an intellectual recognition, but a real emotional awareness, l'natzel kol rega mitohrikus mole shelamachshava, where I'm trying to be totally focused, totally engaged, totally present on that which I'm doing right here and right now, to the point where nothing else exists in the world. 
I'm not allowing any thoughts of the past or of the future to interfere with what's happening right now in the present. He gives a beautiful example. He says, when we're having an interaction with somebody, we're having a conversation. If you're doing a chesed together with somebody or for somebody, yachshov belibo, one should think, This is the only person in the world who's in need of my help right now. Even though I have so many other lofty motivations and I want to help other people, right now you're the only person that exists. And I should think to myself that what I'm doing right now I'm the only one who can do this for you. Meaning to say, obviously, whatever you're benefiting from, it's all from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But I'm the one choosing to have this interaction with you, and you're the only thing right now that exists in my world. That's training ourselves in Menuchas HaNefesh when it comes to the way we think and the way we interact. So we have the world around us, we have our schedule, of being misader our day, of having, having times for all of the important things and to prioritize. Right? Sometimes I've, I've heard from mothers that cooking for Shabbos and even more so getting ready for Yontif, there is such a stress. And a lot of that, it, it's natural. You're cooking big meals for family and friends. There will be a level of, uh, of pressure. But so much of that is coming from this image I have in my head of what I feel I need to do. If I don't have six different kugels, then it's not really the, the yantif meal that, that's, that's appropriate. If you take a step back, though, and we analyze the world through this lens of the, the bracha of simplicity, it doesn't mean, you know, just have a few chicken wings and call it a day, right? We're supposed to make it a geschmack, a beautiful yontif experience. But if I find myself spending seven hours straight in the kitchen and neglecting the kids all afternoon, so maybe I'm doing too much. Maybe I'm getting too distracted by, by things that are not really my top priority. Maybe I'm losing fo- focus of that blessing of simplicity because I have these, these expectations that I've created for myself. So the surroundings in which we live, the Seder Hayom, our schedule, we have to be stubborn about having a schedule where we're able to prioritize those things and those people that are most meaningful to us. And then the internal world of what I allow myself to think about. There is always so much going on within my head. There is noise, there is clutter. Taking the, the advice of the Sif Sechayim and trying to focus on what I'm doing while I'm doing it. That breeds a, a focus, that breeds a sense of peace and, and tranquility like nothing else in the world. So yeah, to walk outside and to see the whole, fill, the whole field with the bounty of produce, that's a nice thing. But the greatest bracha is to be able to have what we need 
not to be distracted by all the other things that could take us away from the depth of simplicity. Shkoyach.